0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is Acts 20 verses 17 to 38. Now from Malesh he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews how I do not shrink from declaring to you that was profitable and teaching you in public from and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the world of his grace And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord.
1: you go. Um, I don't know if this has happened to you, and I know many of you, by the way, hello. (laughs) It's good to see you. I I told James earlier that I thought about standing up here and going, who are you all? Uh, It's been a while, uh, but it is good to be back with you as we continue looking at the book of Acts. Um, Again, I don't know if this happened to you, and I know many of you are uh, not on social media at all. You, you, you uh, don't uh, do the, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the, all those kind of things, but uh, so there is a real-life application to this statement that I'm going to make as well. But for, for some of you, you have been part of receiving in Facebook a, a, a post that says, I want to know who are my real friends. The people who know me will say when we first met or something. Do not read. Do not pass by. Do not scroll on. Do not just copy and paste this and not share. All, all those kind of things. And you and you feel like oh, I don't like you anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh no, that's just me. Uh, and and so you you but maybe you do feel like that. You, in real life, you've maybe had that as well. Who people say this is what I'm on about, and if you're not on about this, then you can't be. My friend, I don't know who you are. You're not part of who I am. It's interesting that as we have begun to navigate our lives and moving out of uh, what was, is, currently stands as COVID, over the last six months, there have been multiple articles that are being written about friendship and how COVID itself has affected friendship. Uh, one article that I was reading that was out of the New Yorker was talking about how most people during the time of COVID began to kind of call out their friends, like like get rid of certain. Friends, They realized that some friends that they had during that time were basically just folks that they associated with, maybe because they were in the same office together, or because they happened to be in the same sports group together, or or they uh, had a common sort of element that really wasn't holding them together, and so since they weren't spending that time together, those people just stopped being their friends. Others experienced that, oh, they might have had a disagreement on how to navigate COVID, and so their friendships ended because something was elevated as more important than the things that had originally brought them together. And so it was really interesting to see these articles being written about how people were actually honing down their friendship groups, getting them smaller and smaller so that they were maybe more intentional in those friendship groups and they were maybe real friends then as opposed to just acquaintances. The other set of articles that have been coming out however have been talking about the epidemic and pandemic of loneliness and how before COVID, this idea of loneliness was growing rapidly, in particularly among those who are 16 to 35. And that because of COVID and lockdowns and all of those kind of things, this epidemic of loneliness has increased and increased. That people just do not feel connected anymore and are really having a hard time finding people that they can trust and walk with and live with. So it's pretty amazing that on one side of the equation people are saying we get rid of friends and on other sides of the equation people are saying I have no connection at all and I just don't know how to live. Uh, in, in fact it's not unusual for us to be thinking about friendship It's been done for centuries. As a matter of fact, Aristotle talks about friendship quite a lot. So if we think about Western society, Aristotle's an important figure in Western society, and this is what he talked about when he was talking about friends. He said this, friends were central to his overall conception of what constituted a good life, that you had to have friends to have a good life, and what it meant to be a human And he kind of categorized friends in three ways. Friends of utility, friends of pleasure, and friendships of the good. So co-workers and classmates, people that you kind of have a connection with because of something else, those are friendships of utility. You just happen to be in proximity with them. Friendships that spark joy come underneath that friendships of pleasure. So like book clubs, footy teams, uh, somebody that you uh, maybe start dating and have love affair with. This is the way that Aristotle would put it. Are those friendships of pleasure. But then the most important friends that we have are friendships for the good, which are based on mutual respect admiration and a strong desire to aid and assist the other person because you recognize an essential goodness in them. Hmm. Friendship. It's something that we do need. I would dare say that the triune God created us for friendship and community in order to live lives together But what we've recognized, we struggle with what it means to be a good friend. What does that look like for us to engage in? And I think this sermon, this this speech that Paul gives to the elders in Ephesus, to those who had been walking with him and leading with him, gives us some indication of what it might look like for us to have Christ-centered gospel Friendships. Now, if you don't think that they're friends, I want to read the last part of this again, that it was just a a friendship of utility, because it's not, or a friendship of pleasure, because it's clear if you read the letter to the Ephesian church, it wasn't always pleasurable for Paul. This is, in fact, what Aristotle would say, a friendship for the good. And at the very end of this, it says, after he had said these things, they knelt down and they prayed. And all of them wept and embraced Paul and kissed him. Now, that might be uncomfortable for some of you all. (laughs) For me, it is a beautiful picture that these people were more than work colleagues. They were more than fans of the same footy team. They were, in fact, friends. Those who were committed to the good of each other, seeking for the good of one another and pushing into each other's lives. So much so that the thought of Paul not coming back caused them great pain. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, Lee's been gone for three Sundays. So let me just reassure you, I'm not preaching this sermon because I'm headed somewhere. Or maybe you're like now going, oh, darn it. (laughs) I'm preaching this because it just happens to be where we're at in Acts. But I also think it's an important thing for us to wrestle with in how we engage in our relationships with one another at this place. So, the first thing that I want to recognize is that Paul here shows us that a friend is one who walks in transparency, a transparency that leads to intimacy. So if we want to be friends that are those who walk for the common good of each other, if we want to be friends who are centered in Christ and the gospel, then we must first be those type of friends who walk with transparency that leads to intimacy. At the very beginning of his speech, he says this, You yourself know how I lived among you the whole time I was with you from the first time that I set foot in Asia. Paul was not hiding anything about who he was with these people. He was revealing all of who he was at a time and a place where it would be very easy to say, I don't need you to know this about me. I only want you to know this about me. Paul says, you know everything that I've been about. You know everything that I am. I'm not hiding anything. And he goes on in Acts. He actually says it three times about how he was converted, what happened to him on the road to Damascus, which is a terrible story. If you're Paul, I once was persecuting the church, actually wanting to kill those people. Then God saved me. That's not a great way to ingratiate yourself to people who are following after Christ. But he wants to be honest, transparent. With them. And in that transparency, it builds intimacy. The fruit of that we see at the end of this speech, where they long not to see Paul leave. And they cry. Why? Not just because he was good for them, not because they found pleasure in him, but because he created good in them in that friendship. And he did it by showing who he was completely. Now, transparency is a scary thing for us because each one of us knows that there are particular parts of our lives that we definitely don't want people to see. And that doesn't mean that in every relationship that we have, in every place that we walk, we need to make sure that they know everything about us. No, now I might not agree completely with everything that Aristotle says, but the way that he sort of lines out friendships is helpful. There are those people that we're connected with in relationship that are just there because it's a utility, because we have interactions with them that we're required to have because of our proximity. You don't have to share every bit of your life with them. There is something that you need to share, and that's coming, but not every part of your life with them. There are those that we have relationships that are pleasurable relationships. Now, that's a little bit deeper, and in fact, in that place, you might need to share a lot more about who you are with them. And particularly, like you don't like particular players on the footy team that you're rooting for. <laughs> and why you think they should make changes. Maybe. Go Frio, oh, by the way. Just add that in there. But when we are friendships in Christ for the good of the other. Then, in that place, we must learn to open our hearts up so that they see the good, the bad, and the ugly. That they know where our struggles are and where our celebrations are. That we don't hide ourselves for fear that we might be rejected, but we open our hearts in ways that say, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. Can you walk with me? And that's what Paul did. So it's a transparency that leads to intimacy. The second thing that I think we see Paul showing us what Christ-centered gospel friendship looks like is that place of protection. Now, if it's a friendship that is seeking the common good, the good for that person, because you see who they are in Christ, then we walk in a place of protection with them. We see Paul saying that. Is he says to them how he admonished them and then he reminds them, hey, I'm leaving, but while I'm away, I want you to be prepared for the attacks that are coming so that you can protect those who are in your midst. He does that because he had been spending all of that time protecting them. Walking with them to say there are things that are out there that are seeking to devour you. And I want to walk with you because you know who I am, because I've been transparent, so that you're protected from them. So a friend who is walking in a gospel-centered way will see those uh, things that are changing and acting in another person's heart and mind and speak into it. There'll be those who will say, I I think that you have disordered your love. (laughs) That you've placed a love that should be the love for God through Christ higher in your heart with something else. And if they are walking with you in Christ, you're called to, to protect them with whimsy, with love, with mercy. That's what Paul does here. Even if we look at uh, Paul and his writings in the letters, which sometimes can seem uh, almost harsh, he is constantly saying, brothers, sisters, my beloved, my children. He's speaking with terms of affection and care Not you stupid people. I mean, he does say that about a couple of people, but not the ones that he's trying to admonish and care for. The ones that he's calling out. Who actually aren't part of the body. (laughs) Right? So we see here this place that when we're walking in this friendship, it is one of protection. Now, here's the beauty of this. That means... We are walking with those who are seeking our protection as well. See that we're not alone as we're encountering these places where those things in the world that are seeking to elevate themselves in our hearts have free reign. Why? Because one, we're being transparent in our friendships so that they can hear and see where our struggles are and then speak into them with love and mercy and grace and so we walk in a way of transparency we walk in a way of protection and then the last is we walk firmly founded on the gospel friendships that are about the good for the other Friendships that are based on our Christ-centeredness are based completely on the gospel. We see that as he says, I have declared to you over and over again what is profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Later down, he says, I've continued to proclaim the kingdom to you. That I have testified the gospel of the grace of Christ? That means this, that maybe our friendship started out as a utility friendship. Or perhaps it started out as a pleasure friendship. But if in that friendship it begins to move into the place of seeking the common good, the good for that person, then it has to move to the place where the gospel becomes the foundation of it. Where the proclamation of God's steadfast love and unending pursuit to bring us each one into a whole, truthful, right relationship with Him, with ourselves, with all others in the very place that we live. That gospel, the one that says you are worse off than you believe that you are, and you are better loved, more loved than you could ever imagine, that gospel becomes the foundation of those relationships. And it empowers us then to live transparently and empowers us to live towards protection for that other person. Because there's something more going on. But it's a whole lot easier just to go through Facebook and unfriend a bunch of people that I don't actually talk to anymore. And actually to do that in my heart towards those people that I'm walking with even more intimately This is getting too hard. This is getting too rough. I don't know that I can actually engage in this way. And that's the reason why we have the one who is the friend to the world, the one in Jesus, who is the friend to all, become the enemy to all. We see him as the enemy and we killed him. The one who stood in the place of love became the one who was hated. The one who has ultimate good became the one who was seen as the enemy of good. In order for us to be able to walk in Holy Spirit, empowered to stand in this place where Paul is and say, my friendship is not my own, my friendship is only empowered because of Jesus and what Jesus has done. He has become the great substitute for me. So that I can walk in a friendship that will move beyond just utility, what I can get out of it or what you can get out of it. Pleasure, which those are good, but when Frio doesn't make the grand final, then that one's over, right? or one that seeks the good. And I would elaborate on what Aristotle says there. One that seeks God. God who is working in the lives of those people that he's put us in community and relationship with. The God who is working in our own lives. That through Christ, we now stand together so that we are on the firm foundation of the gospel, enabling us to encounter this world in a way that shines forth God's unending, steadfast love. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good, and all you do is good. In this place, in these words, if there is anything that is not from you, Father, let it burn up and go away. But if there is something that is from you, let it take root in our hearts so that it will bear good fruit and bring praise and glory to you. It's in your precious and holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.